This is my Bible, John chapter 15, and it's a lot of highlights. Because there's a lot of markings in this, right? Because John chapter 15 and 16 is full of fantastic, fantastic relationship theology. Okay? Now, there's two reasons that I want to I want to uh, tell you that this is a blue line. Well, I'm asking you to consider making this a blue line uh, scripture in your brain. The first reason is this, is this passage, is John chapter 15 and 16, happen right between two things, okay? The previous two chapters in John uh, 13 and 14 is where we found this famous environment where Jesus is sitting around. We call it the Lord's Supper in the church world. But this is the last meal that Jesus has with his followers. They're sitting around a table. He washes their feet. Right? He introduces this thing called communion, which we're going to do at the end of service today. And he predicts that one of his 12 are going to betray him. And he says a lot of other interesting things. So this Last Supper is a really interesting uh, conversation that Jesus has with his closest followers. But I want you to notice how John chapter 14 ends. John 14, 31 literally ends this way. Jesus says, get up. Let's leave this place. In John 15 and 16 is a journey chapter. What happens next? They get it from the table and they take off walking. And where they're going to picks up in chapter 17 and 18. In chapter 17 and 18, you probably have figured this out, is where Jesus goes to the garden and he prays, where Jesus is arrested, where Jesus is uh, before a, a silly trial, and where he gives up his life on the cross. So you have the Lord's Supper, the here, and then you have the blue line stuff that we're going to talk about today. And they arrive, Jesus arrives to his destination, which is in the cross. This is a journey passage. Now, this is why these two chapters are really important for you. This is the last walking conversation that Jesus has with his fellows, with his followers, before his end on this planet as the human being Jesus is coming to an end. So they're not talking about silly things. As they're leaving the table, and he says, get up, we have to leave from this place, they're talking about some serious stuff. And the conversations that he has with these men along the way are serious things. And so for you and I, the reader, several thousand years later, when we look at John 15 and chapters 15 and 16, we need to read those in that context. It's not just some words that somebody wrote down. These were the words that Jesus spoke on the way to the cross. And he's talking some serious things. That's the first reason I want you to consider making John 15 and 16 your blue line, your directional chapters. But the second reason is this. Just like Jesus and those disciples, we too are on a spiritual journey, right? Like everybody in this room is on a spiritual spiritual journey. Um, everybody uh, in the room, like you have a start. Some of you come in here today and you're like, you know what? Not yet, Matt. Like I'm here because uh, she made me. Or I'm here because he made me. Or I'm here because I got in trouble this weekend and a judge made me, right? And, but you're, and that's fine. That actually happens a lot, right? And, but you're here. And here's the thing. Man, I, I, I want to say to your life, you're just not yet. You're a pre-follower. You're a pre-follower. This morning, even if you're searching out the things of Christ, you've been coming to the New City or another church for some time, man, you're pre-following. God is doing something in your life. And at some time, some moment, hopefully today, your eyes are going to go, what? the things of God, right? Now, all of our stories are unique. Like, we, I don't have Clay and Lisa's story. I don't have Kyle's story. You don't have my, I have Tim's story. I, don't have, I have my story, right? But here's what is not unique. Although our stories, the specifics are all unique and different, there are certain elements that are always the same. And what is always the same is there is a time in your life, right, 
where you're just going about your day, you're going about your life, and you don't recognize the things of God. And then all of a sudden, it could be at church on a Sunday, it could be listening to the Caleb, it could be a tragedy that happens, something happens where all of a sudden your spiritual eyes are open. Nothing's changed, same house, same neighborhood, same job, same friends, same all that stuff. But all of a sudden, your spiritual eyes are opened, and you see for the first time the God who's been there the entire time. See, we all have that story who are currently following Jesus. Now, how you got to that point is so unique and so different. But everybody in this room, there's a time when the Lord opens your spiritual eyes, and you go, what, what? And you feel something, you see something for the first time, that a God who's been there the entire time working around you, and you say things like, oh my gosh, how have I not noticed this before? And man, you are on your journey. If you are breathing, right? If you're sitting here this morning and there's air going through your lungs and there's blood going through your veins, you're still on the blue line journey, right? You haven't arrived, right? You've had little stops along the way, little sub-destinations, if you will, but you haven't arrived um, to your final destination. Now, can I chase a rabbit real quick? Raise your hand if you've ever gotten off the blue line when you're driving somewhere. We've all gotten off, right? And some of us are like, oh, oh, man, and we quickly get back on. But others of us, we're like, I know a better way. <laughs> yeah, you laugh because we've all said that, right? I know a better way. I'm smarter than Google and Siri, right? And you, now, spiritually speaking, we get like, sometimes, man, we get off and we get right back on. Like, you experience a little bit of pain and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting my butt back to church. I'm getting back in that groove. I'm going to get back, right? We, it doesn't take long. Others of us, we're a little more stubborn. And we're going the wrong way in spiritual, the spiritual Siri, the Holy Spirit, the breath, right? Is saying, turn around, turn around, turn around, turn around, turn around. Make your And you're just like, nope, nope, I'm going to go. And when you know it, that all of a sudden that blue line turns into a red line. What happens on your map when that blue line goes to red? You ain't moving. Traffic has stopped. You ever been that? You're like, oh, why did I do that back there? That was so aggravating. Spiritually, that happens to us. Now, here's the beautiful thing. When you're driving, go back to your car real quick, and you all of a sudden, you listen to Siri, and you get back on the blue line. You listen to Google, and you get back on the blue line. Does it keep saying, stupid? <laughs> stupid, why didn't you? We, you could have been there by now. You could have been there by now. No, it doesn't do that, right? It just starts giving you the directions again. Here's the beautiful thing about our God. He is so gracious that at any moment when you say, you know what, I'm a realigning my life back to the things of God, he doesn't make you do five push-ups. He doesn't make you do an extra tithe. He just says, awesome, let's go. Let's go to where we are headed, to where I want to take you. And so this morning, if you're here and you've been a little bit of going your own way, man, welcome back. I mean, like Matt, what do I, is this me being here, me being back? No, I would just say in your own way, in your own prayer life, just right where you're sitting, just tell the Lord right now, I'm back. It's my, I, I want to be aligned to what you're doing in my life. I, I don't want to, like... Man, it's crazy out there, guys. It's cra Would you agree? It's hard. And there's so many ways to get off the, line, the blue line. And that's why John chapter 15 and 16 is so good for us. Now, here's the thing. Today I want to pour fuel on our Holy Spirit fire. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit for the last several weeks. And I want to pour some fuel on that fire. And so this is what I want to share with you today. Kind of the big idea. Well, let me, let me show you why this is important first, because Jesus talked about this Holy Spirit, and I, want, I don't want to skip the scripture. In John 14, 26, so they're at the table, and, jo and Jesus says this to his disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you what? Some things? 
all things and remind you of some things? Everything I have told you. So Jesus says, after I'm gone, remember hard conversation on the table, when I'm gone, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He gives it a capital C counselor. What does a counselor do? Counsels, right? It helps you through a situation that you don't know what to do. And that is one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. God has gifted the church, the Holy Spirit, to be your primary counselor. Why is that important? Because oftentimes we run to everybody else first without first going to Him. Peter says, cast all your cares and worries on God, for He cares to you. But we might do that, but it's three or fourth down the list. Man, I think if Jesus was to sit across the table from us, He would say, hey guys, listen, when you're going through stuff, before you take it to them, take it to Him. He's the capital C counselor. He knows. And what does this counselor do? How will he counsel you? Well, Jesus tells us. He will remind you of, he will, I'm sorry, he will teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything that I have said. You know what the counselor does? He takes you to this. He reminds you of this. He teaches you and I the things that Jesus talked about. Because John even says in the first chapter of this gospel that we're in today, he said, talking about Jesus, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That the very word of God, the Torah, became flesh and dwelt among us. So when the Holy Spirit is counseling us, what he's going to do is he's going to take you back to God's word. He's not going to give you some new set of rules that you haven't read about or had the chance to read about before. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And so here's my big idea for today, okay? The fuel that powers the Holy Spirit's working in your life, because that's what we want. We want the Holy Spirit, our capital C counselor, to be teaching us and to remind us. Because, man, it's hard out there to stay on this blue line, to get from here to there. The fuel that powers the Holy Spirit's working in your life, here it is, is a relationship with Jesus Christ that is real and personal. But that sounds so churchy, right? I mean, is that not like churchy, churchy 101? You need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ that's real and personal. What does that even mean? Well, today I'm going to try my, do my best to teach you that because it is. That is the fuel. So today's big idea, the fuel that powers the Holy Spirit's working in your life. If you want the Holy Spirit to get bigger in your life, if you want to be able to hear him, the counselor better and more frequently, I want to give you some gas this morning to pull on that. And it is a relationship with Jesus Christ that is what? Real and real and personal. Okay, here we go. Let's go to John chapter 15. Now, I have a favorite scripture. My favorite scripture is Matthew 6, I'm going to teach you that next week. But if I only had one chapter to read for the rest of my life, John chapter 15 is the chapter I'm taking out of the Bible. If I'm going off to prison and I can only smuggle in one thing, John chapter 15 is what I'm going to be smuggling in. And so let's read John chapter 15. Now we're just going to read a section today because you guys are able to read and study on your own. I'm just going to get you started. John chapter 15 verses 1 through 8 this morning. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. Jesus speaking. On his way to the cross, journey conversation, remember the context, he ain't messing around. He's talking about stuff that matters because his time is short. He says, men, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He takes away every branch that does not bear fruit in me. He prunes every branch that bears fruit so it will bear more fruit. You are clean already because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit, because apart from me you can accomplish nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a branch and dries up, and such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire, and they are burned up. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is honored by this that you bear much fruit and show that you are my disciples. Uber important passage of scripture that I just read. 
Like, seriously, like, if your goal is to read through the Bible in one year, can I ask you to hit pause on that goal and just understand this scripture this year? This right here, that passage is so important to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because we are a doing people. We are a doing people. We want to do more, do more, do more. This is not a doing verse. This is a being verse. And some of you don't like being because you don't like who you are, and so you'd rather do. And man, here's the thing. Man, Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows everything there is to know about you. And so quit running from you and attach yourself to Jesus. And so I'm going to unpack this scripture uh, for us this morning uh, as kind of how I study it and how I process this. And man, I would really encourage you to let me be your catalyst this morning and how you take this going forward this week and just commit. I'm going to read those eight verses every day and find a biblical truth for me. That's a super simple uh, starting point for many of us in the room. First of all, let's do who's who in the scripture. There's three people that are mentioned. Actually, yeah, there's three. I'm just going to focus on three groups, the who's who. All right? First of all, Jesus is what? He's the vine. Right? The scripture tells us this. So I'm not asking you to think about all these things. Let's just look, go back to the text. And what do we know from the text based on what Jesus said? And Jesus said, hey, I am the vine. My father is the gardener. And you, us, us people, we're branches. So who is Jesus? Are you the vine? Am I the vine? No, no, no. This is really important because this is going to come into play later. So who is the vine? He's the, he's the divine vine, right? Who's the gardener? God the Father. He's the gardener, right? What does the gardener do? The gardener cares for everything. The gardener makes sure that it's laid out the way that he wants. The gardener is the one who makes sure that everything is up to par. Who are we? The branches, right? We're the sticks, Right? We're the sticks. So we have God the Father, who's the gardener. Jesus, who is the vine. He is the branch. And, I mean, Jesus is the vine, and then we are the branches. So now, I want you to look at John, I mean, yeah, John chapter 15, verse uh, 1, and I want to pull out our first key truth for today, okay? We're going to put that scripture back up on the screen real quick. John chapter 15, verse 1. And what does Jesus say about himself? He says, I am what? All right. What kind of vine is Jesus? Yes, this is so important. If there's any part of my message today that could be considered hard, this is going to be it, okay? It is not my intent to tick you off. It's not my intent to frustrate you, but I can't present to you a watered-down, sanitized Jesus. you got to know that. I think, I'm telling you, I just think you hear this a lot. It's like, hey, do whatever you want, be whoever you want, just say I'm sorry all the time and you're fine. Listen, man, Jesus is the real deal. And before I even get into the scripture, here's the thing. Like, i got to ask you, if Jesus is who we really claim to be, this scripture really matters. Will you play along with me for a second? If Jesus is really God's son, if Jesus really lived the perfect life, and you got to do research on it. you got to study this for yourself. I believe this to be true. You may not. And I would just say, saying I don't believe it and not pursuing, uh, studying and knowing, man, that, that's foolishness. So if you're not where I am on what I believe, I would encourage you to do the work. Put in the study time, right? But if Jesus is really God's son, if Jesus really lived the perfect life, if Jesus really died an intentional, complete death, if Jesus really resurrected on the third day, if Jesus really revealed himself to over 500 people over a 40-day period, and then if Jesus really ascended to the Father in front of his disciples and is right now really sitting at the right hand of God, and at some point if Jesus is really going to return for his church, if he really has done and is going to do these things, then it really matters that he's the true vine. 
And if he's not really those things to you, you get to play figure it out theologically, right? But for me, he is really those things. That's what I confess. That's what I believe. That he really did those things. He really is who he claimed to be. And he is really going to come back one day for me, us, his church. I believe that. So because I believe that, when I see that Jesus is the true vine, that word phrase really, really matters to me. And here's why I believe Jesus said this. And so this is the part that I'm going to step on your toes, and I'm not meaning to, kind of. But I think we need to be reminded, right, is the reason I believe Jesus said that to his followers that he was a true vine is because he knew all of the opportunities that they were going to have to find false vines. There is not a person in this room who is vineless. You may not be attached to Jesus this morning, but I promise you're, you're attached to something. There is something, because what does the vine do? The vine gives power. The vine gives resources. The, the, the vine is your why. The vine is what powers why you do every, why you do with your money, what you do with your time, what you do with your energy, what you do. Like the vine is what produces the why, your purpose in life. And if it's not attached to Jesus, you are attached to something. And it's really not complicated to figure out. I'm going to give you some, some quick tips, okay? Here we go. You can look at where your money goes, the majority of your money. The, I'm not saying all of your money. My money goes in a lot of different directions. But the majority of my money goes to a specific thing. Your time. Where do you, look at your calendar. Where do you give the most of your time? Right? Uh, think about your words, the things that you speak. What do you know the most about? What are you the most passionate about when your words start happening? And, and that could be your vine. Now, I want to talk about those three things real quick because I think we need to have vision recast in our life because it's so, like, I doubt very few in this room have attached, your, attached yourself to something completely evil and wicked. I think the enemy is way too smart to present something to you that is totally evil and wicked because you're going to go, dude, I ain't doing that. That's crazy. I'm not doing that. But he's sly and he's sneaky. And he will take a little bit of good and get us to attach to it completely. And it becomes everything that we are. And we have to recenter ourselves a lot of times. We have to refocus who we're going to be. So I want to talk about those three things just real quick, right? Here we go. I believe this. Jesus should get his first when it comes to your finances. He should, we've already given today, so I'm not doing this because we're going to give later, right? We've, we've already taken up our offering. But here's the deal. Jesus should get his first. The first portion of our income should be invested into the things of God. Notice I didn't say the things of New City. I think the things of New City hopefully are the things of God. But I'm not this morning in a money grab. It's a heart grab for you. Like when Jesus is your true vine, I really believe the first portion of your income, whether you make a lot of money or a little bit of money, should go to invest it into the things of God. Here's why. Here's why. Because when you give God first and then you build your budget around what's left over, you, every time you do that, you're telling yourself that your kingdom isn't the main thing. That God's kingdom is the main thing. Every time. When you go, man, I, I'm going to go without so that I can invest into the things of God, you're reminding yourself that, man, this is temporary and I'm giving to something that's eternal. You're, you're telling yourself what is going to be the most important thing to you. And does it hurt? Of course it hurts. Because your flesh screams out, this stuff on your, attached to your body screams out that you need it. And it'll make you happy. And you know what? Maybe you do and maybe it will. But when you give your resources towards the things of God, you invest them, every time you do that, you remind you that you ain't the thing. We need that reminder. Man, I need that reminder. Holy cow, do I need that reminder. How about this one? Your time. Jesus should be our first priority. He's the true vine. He should be our first priority. We should be quick and consistent in giving our time to Jesus. We should be quick and consistent 
to giving Jesus our time. I'm going to just give you three quick things. Whether that's studying, whether that's prayer, or whether that's serving. Study, like just opening your Bible, I'm just going to read. Or I'm going to, I'm going to pray today, or I'm going to serve in my local church. Or I'm going to serve in some way in the, in the heartbeat of God. Like, here, here's the thing. Jesus should be first, uh, first priority in our calendar. Phrases like, I just don't have time. I don't have time to study God's word. I don't have time to pray today. I don't have time to serve. I mean, listen, those are statements that reveal to you and I that our, our branch is attached to a false vine. I'm not seeing an evil vine. I'm not seeing a wicked vine. But when we tell God, hey, hey, you know, you who did all these things, I really don't have time for you because I have this. It's just, man, wow. This week, I told Pastor Charlie, he's one of our elders, this building, I've attached myself to this building, Community Kids Fest, Christmas Eve. Like, what, Here's how I know it. I'm having to force time to pray and read. Just being honest with you guys. And when I get there, I know, wow, things are out of whack. I don't like this. And so I have to reassess. Man, it's so sneaky. This building, this facility, and all that's going on is a good thing. You're here this morning because we get a place to come and worship together, right? But it's not the thing in my life. And it's so sneaky. All right, last one, our words. Our words reveal. What do you talk about the most? What do you know the most about? Oh, man, I bet if I just say, like, Trump. Oh, I can tell you. Or Hillary. Right, Bernie. And we just, man, we can go off. Or if I say Rush, or I say the Chiefs, or I say Cream Hunt. I mean, I know all of them. I mean, I'll study and read all these things. Like, I'm not saying they're evil and wicked. They're right, they're not. But, man, I, if I, like I said, like, I want you to stand and quote two lines from Dumb and Dumber. Like, I bet half of the room could do that, right? <laughs> or from Christmas Vacation, or It's a Wonderful Life, or, uh, you know, uh, Garth Brooks was live on TV last Sunday, and it's a complete sing-along, right? And so we go, I know, like, I know every Garth Brooks song, right? Which is fine. I think you should, too, right? <laughs> but a miss is when... We know all the chief stats, and we know all the political pundits, and we know all of the stuff that our favorite musician does, but when we have a spiritual question, we have to Google it. That's a miss. Now, I'm not expecting you to know all this in one day. I haven't, and I don't. But, man, I just, all those things I mentioned, I participate in. And they just can't come first. Again, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just trying to reveal to us that, man, it's so sneaky that Jesus says, I'm the true vine because there's so many of the things that you as a branch can attach yourself to, and you begin to look like it, you begin to smell like it, you begin to uh, talk like it, and that, that becomes, wow, this is, wow, whoa, 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 I don't want to be that. Now, that was kind of hard, let me tell you something good. Notice in that same scripture, Jesus says, I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. Here's the next thing, verse 2 that I want to I show you. He says, I, he takes away every branch that does not bear fruit in me. You guys see that? Man, the gardener kind of sounds mean. He takes away every branch that does not bear fruit in me. I want to teach you something. Every translation in the Bible says basically that. And I think it's a very poor translation. And you're like, well, Matt, that's kind of arrogant. Every translation says it's that, and you say it's not. But I want to prove it to you this morning, okay? So here's a screenshot from uh, my study that I do. And I've learned this for several years, so I've read this different. But uh, the Greek, so the, the word that the the word there for uh, he he takes away is the Greek word "ario," right? And notice this: that word John uses it in John 15 several times. It either means lift up as well as take away. Isn't that interesting? So that word that 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 every translator uses for takes away is also the same word for lifts up. 
And I want to tell you why I believe it's lifts up, not take away. Okay, here we go. Let's go back to that scripture. John chapter 15, chapter 2. Jesus says, he takes away, maybe, uh, every branch that does not bear fruit. What's those last two words? Where's the branch? In, in Christ, right? And so now, I want you to think, so I don't think that God is in the business of cutting off branches that are in Christ. And also, I'm going to go from a farming standpoint. I grew up on a farm, okay? I didn't grow up in a vineyard, but I grew up in rice fields and mosquitoes, right? And I have some common uh, uh, thoughts on farming. If you're up, pretend with me this morning that you are a gardener and you have a big vineyard, okay? And you make your living, and the thing that brings you the most honor is a fruitful crop. And so when you look out over your crop, you know that those grapes are money in your pocket, right? Those are assets to you. But as you're looking at your vineyard one day, you notice that the, all the vines on the bottom, all the branches, I'm sorry, on the, on the bottom, uh, there was a big rain that came through, and those bottom branches, they've gotten dusty because of the mud. And because they're dusty, now the sun's not hitting them the way that they should. And because they're dusty and because the light's not hitting them, they're not producing very much fruit. Now, if that gardener, if that farmer went through with his weed whacker and just began to cut off all of the dirty, not getting a lot of light uh, branches, he is just throwing away produce. He's throwing away profit. He's throwing away assets. What the gardener would do, right, just like study the stuff, what the gardener would do is he would come down and he would have a, a damp, moist cloth and he would wipe off the dust from the leaves and then he would take some string and he would tie... He would lift up those branches that were down in the dirt, missing the sunshine, and he would pull them up so that they too could get the light. And then guess what happens to those branches? They produce fruit. So I want to read you this scripture in the way that I believe Jesus said it when he walked with his men. He lifts up. He lifts up every branch that does not bear fruit in you. If you're here this morning and you feel a little dusty, you feel like you haven't been in the light a whole lot, but man, you also know that you're in Christ. Can I just encourage you that he wants to lift you up? He wants to dust you off. He wants to get you into the light so that you will produce fruit for his vineyard, for his kingdom. So if you're here this morning, you're like, man, I'm dusty. Here, I'm here this morning. I just don't feel like I'm getting a lot of light. Just pray, Jesus, would you, or God, would you lift me up? God, would you lift me up? I want to bear much fruit. I want to be in your light, right? Now, when that happens, you know what's going to happen in your life? Maybe confession, some realignment from how you're thinking, how you're living into the things of God. You're going to get back on that blue road. But that's what God wants to do when you're in Christ. He doesn't want to lop you off because you're not good enough, because you're in a bad run, because you backslidden. No, in Christ, he wants to lift you up. He wants to tie you up so that you will get the light. Now, here we go. We're going to keep moving on, okay? What is the second thing the gardener does? He prunes. Pruning is not a bad thing. Any gardeners in the room, Sean, you're a gardener. What does pruning do? Takes the, takes the dead off, but sometimes even the good off, so that next season what? Now, some of you don't know this. It grows bigger and better. So you take a rose bush, and at the end of the season, you prune it back. You cut off all the things that, you, that were so pretty in the season. In next season, you have more because the branches are thicker. The branches are bigger. The branches can hold more weight. Man, pruning is not a bad thing. Some of you have been running from God's shears because you think you're in trouble. Stop running from God's pruning. He is trying to prepare you for a future harvest. He's trying to prepare you for what he wants to do next in your life. And all this while, you're thinking that you're in trouble because you see God coming at you with these big scissors. No, you're not in trouble. 
He is trying to prepare you for what he, listen, he loves you too much to put fruit that you can't hold on branches. He's going to give you what you can hold. And so if you're wanting more, if you're asking God for more fruit, if you're asking God for more opportunity, then you better get close to the shears. And that looks a lot like discipleship. You need to know this. Pruning looks a lot like discipleship. Pruning looks a lot like God speaking to what you would call the normal things of your life and going at you about those. It could be the TV shows you watch, what you put in your eyes, what you put in your heart. It could be the words you use. It could be anything. And the closer you are with God in relationship, the different the pruning looks. It might be simply be how you're managing your calendar right now. It has nothing to do with a sin issue. It has everything to do with a future fruit issue. And he's got to get you ready. And he's got to get you strong. And he needs to add another ring to that branch so that you can handle a little bit more fruit next season. And some of you have been, you've been fighting the shears because you think you're in trouble. You're not in trouble. He's trying to make you better. He's going to trim you up, right? My friend Mike Grubb says you can either learn or you can get taught. I'd rather us learn, right? All right, let's talk about the vine. What does a vine do in a vineyard? What do you think? What's a vine do? It produces what? It's the power. The vine produces the power. The vine is what takes all the nutrients, all the goodies to the branches and produces the fruit. The branch doesn't produce fruit. A lot of our translations say that the branch produces fruit. That's a, I don't, it's, no, there's some translations that say the branch bears fruit. The vine is what produces. The branch are the ones that bear. Jesus produces the fruit. You hold the fruit. You don't produce fruit. Your job is to bear the fruit, to carry the fruit, to hold the fruit, to manage the fruit, to be responsible for the fruit. But it's Jesus who produces that fruit in you. This is really important, right? He is the one who produces the fruit. Now, we want to help you do this. And so I'm going to give you two things this morning that will help you. I want, to, I, want to, I want to talk to you real quick about how you can begin to stay attached to Jesus more and allow him to produce this fruit in your life. And that will lead to a relationship with Jesus that is real and personal. So, like, this is the meat and potatoes of today's message, right? Like, you've learned a fancy Greek word, right? I've made you mad talking about which vines you like. This is the meat and potatoes, okay? Because this is how you and I can stay attached to Jesus and have a real personal relationship with him. Are you ready for this? It's super simple. And this is what I do, okay? This is what I do every week. Anytime I sit down with the Lord, I'm using this little simple pathway. Are you ready? I call it wow, now, and how. Wow, exclamation point. Now, dot, dot, dot. How, question mark. Now, I want you to write this stuff down because it's, it's very element, elementary, but it works, okay? Because here's how most people read their Bible. They pray, or they read their Bible, or read your devotion, and then you pray, you say amen, and you go. That's more of a checklist, not a relationship with Jesus. I want to introduce you into maybe a pathway that will help you hear from the Lord a little bit better. Here's what the wow means. The wow exclamation point is where you brag on God. When you open your journal, and I think you need a journal, it could, be, it could be on a computer, it could be on a notepad, it could be on your phone, whatever, but you need to have a journal, and you can just label, wow, and just like write two or three or 15 things that you're just excited about what God's doing, brag on God. God, thank you for, and just write, and like if you're in a really crummy season, you've got to look hard for this, but you've got to brag on God. You've you got to find that in you, praise, like man, I know I'm going through a divorce, but man, I'm okay, what's well, good? Well, he's leaving. Thank you, I don't know, right, let's find something. Find something that, that you can, that's probably a bad example, but pray, thank, thank you, Lord, for that. Okay, 
That's the wow. You don't skip the wow and get to your stuff. Here's the now. And it's dot, dot, dot on purpose, right? Here's the now. That's where you tell God the good, the bad, and the ugly about your life. The good, the bad, the ugly. And everybody in this room, you have those three things going on right now. It's either good, it's either bad, or it's ugly. And God knows. He knows. He just wants you to hear it from you. So when you sit, now listen, this is not the majority of your quiet time, of your abide time, whatever you want to call this. Like, please, for heaven's sakes, if you're giving God an hour, 30 minutes, and by the way, you've got to choose how much time you're going to give. The more the time, deeper the relationship. That's like relationship 101, right? So you decide, hey, I'm going to give Jesus this 30-minute segment, this 45 minutes, this next hour. It's intentional. I'm here on purpose. Here I go. And please don't make the majority of that time you whining. Just say it. I'm mad at her. I didn't get that promotion. I'm ticked off. Or, hey, I have this promotion coming up. I'm excited. It's a new opportunity. It could be good, bad, or ugly. It's just whatever is on your mind that day, whatever is on your heart, whatever you're thinking about, that's what you write. God, here's what's going on. And, and you move on to the third thing. And this is where you spend the majority of your time. And this is the how question mark. My buddy Dan Sutherland says that his daddy taught him that whoever knows the most should do the most talking. Right? So think about your relationship with God. Who knows more, you or him? Okay, if you really believe that, then you let him do the most talking. Most times in our quiet times, who does the most talking? We do, right? We do all the talking, and we don't even give God the space. So here's, how, here's what we do. We stop talking, and we start listening. That's where we go back to that capital C counselor who reminds us and teaches us of all things of Christ. That's where you get into God's word right here. And this is why I think you need to have a, a reading plan, a reading strategy. Like, if you want to be the person that goes, I'm going to read. From one of them, a little horn emerged and grew. Right? I mean, you can do that. God can do a number of things. But I have found in my personal study time that when I'm on a pathway, when I'm studying something on purpose, it is amazing how God shows up in my life. If you look in your bulletin this morning, you need to get this if you haven't. Every week we produce this. This is what I'm reading. You can read along with me. It's not in here by accident. Torah plus gospel reading plan. Every week we put this in the bulletin. Every week it's on our Facebook page. Every week we let you know what we're reading and where we are. And, man, every week this is what I do. This is what I do. Matt, what do you read? This is what I read every week. And every time that I do, right, I brag on God, then I tell God what's going on in my life. And then I open my word and I begin to read that. And wouldn't you know it that every, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. Every time Jesus shows up in his word for me. And he teaches me something that I'm like, oh my gosh. That's what I just asked him about. And I then, right, I apply it. And guys, this is a really important thing. Wow, now, and how. It's not that you just know what God says. You actually begin to apply that to your life. And you begin to step into what you have identified in scripture that you've asked God about that he wants to speak into you. Now, that may seem overwhelming to some of you guys, but here's how we want to help you. We're, we're putting these things on sale today. These are our Believe Study Guide, okay? Does that clock say 10 till? I can't tell from back here. It's too small. What time is it? Okay, here we go. So I'm going to have the band come on back up because we are going to do communion together, and Michelle's going to share her story. But here is the thing. This right here is how we are going to partner together uh, over the next 30 weeks, starting in January, for Wow, Now, and How. They're 10 bucks a piece. We're going to have all types of Believe City groups, and I'm inviting you today. We're, we're going to post next week all of the group shop options. 
but today we're going to start selling these books, and this is what we're going to, I'm going to teach from it on the Sunday, and we're going to have groups, all, we're going to have like 20-something groups happening in the morning, in the evenings, in homes, in this building, all over the place, some for couples, some for women, some for men, some for whoever wants to show up, like we're trying to take away every excuse that you would have, but we want you to get in here because, listen, this is going to help be a, a catalyst, if you will, help you drive towards that relationship. You're going to do it in, on your own. It's so like you would read this stuff and do this book on your own, and then you go into a group setting and we do stuff together. It's a good thing, right? Now, why does this matter? I want you to look at the very last scripture, or that scripture, verse 8. And this is what, how Jesus talks about this. I think this is so powerful. Because I, like, I want to win. I want to win. And so this is this. Let's go to the next thing. Uh, this is what Jesus says in verse 8. He says, my father is honored by this. And like when I see that, I'm like, okay, I need to pay attention to what comes next because I want to honor God. And I want my life to honor God. And so, I don't know if it's up there, but it's on the scripture. It says this, my father is honored by this, that you bear much fruit and show that you are my disciples. That's, that's what honors God. Jesus walking with his followers, he said, guys, here's what honors the father in heaven, that you would bear much fruit that you would say attached to the true vine and you would allow him to produce his fruit and that you would bear that. And that over your lifetime, all the while that you're on this blue line, that you would bear much fruit. That at the end of your life, you go, wow, look at all of this stuff that the Lord has entrusted to me in each season, that I would bear much fruit and show or prove to be my disciples. Man, as you leave here today and you're going about your life, how do people see how do people know from your words, from your actions? How do you prove that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ? How, how is that being attached to the true vine showing up in your workplace? How is being attached to the true vine showing up in your family? How is being attached to that true vine showing up when you're alone and your integrity is in question? And Jesus says, man, my father is honored by this, that you would bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. 